Welcome to another episode of Running on Optimism, the podcast for amateur runners or really anyone channeling their inspiration to face challenges in running and life. I'm your host, Sonia Rita. Today's conversation is a little different, but I'm really thankful to get to reinvite two guests back power lifter and endurance runner Jess of Everwald Performance and marathoner and registered dietitian nutritionist Jen Scott for a well-rounded conversation on nutrition and strength and their place in running and training. Jess and Jen are an absolute wealth of information and so it's an absolute honor and treat to get to pick their brains at the same time for a bit on why embracing nutrition and lifting is important to long life of running, which I don't know about you, but is definitely part of my plan to keep doing this thing I love for as long as my body allows. We're just gonna dive right in. Um, if that sounds good to you, yeah, let's good. get it cracking. Uh, so, you know, when we talked before about coming together and having this conversation, um, for me, uh, this month I turned thirty-nine, and you know, something that I've struggled with uh, in terms of a ton of injury and in my running, and something that I really have been focusing on is my strength and my nutrition and not just in running, but also as I'm aging. And then I was thinking about it. I was like, well, you know, just because I'm pushing 40 or, you know, talking to my like demographic, my age group, that doesn't necessarily mean that this information doesn't apply to everyone. I mean, it's stuff that can empower younger women. And beyond that, it's basically just stuff that's good if you want to be a better runner. Absolutely set a foundation of strength and nutrition. And so in the essence of diving right in, I'm gonna put out like probably a hot button question out there. (laughs) What is one myth that keeps coming up that you're just like, I'm done. (laughs) Pick just one, what is the one for right now? And then we'll dive into more, but I want that like first hot button myth that you just wanna tear apart right now. Um, you have me off the bat? Yes, go. <laughs> You're so good at this. <laughs> I hear, I, I hear light, you know, not necessarily in that term lighter is faster, but I still hear it all the time where a client comes to me and they want to lose weight because it's gonna make them faster. And, um, you know, the studies done on that were like, it was like just a couple tenths of a second and it was men, like elite runners who were running really fast, right? So, um, and I'm not saying it's not, you know, just basic physics, right? It's easier to, a heavier object is gonna, you know, it takes more energy to propel that object, right? But a lot of times the method to be lighter or lose weight, you know, requires people to eat less and then they're not fueling well for their runs. They're under fueling, they're not gonna recover well. They're putting themselves at risk at injury. And, you know, they're just, you're not gonna run fast if you're under fueled. And- um, It it negates what could have maybe been a benefit. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. Well, I guess it's, no, go ahead. being, Being well fueled, you're gonna run way faster then, you know, the 10th of a second, you're going to take off your mile by losing, you know, some weight. Yeah. Do yeah. we forget that we're humans? Like, uh, you know, cause you put it in, in basic physics terms and yes, something, um, lighter does take less 
energy to keep it moving. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. but we are not objects. Like, is that kind of like the, like, we are not objects. We are beings with metabolisms and, and they vary from person to person. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep, yeah, exactly. and usually it's, it's like, oh, well, to get lighter then I'm going to eat less, mm-hmm. but still maintain running volume. Right. And then how right. do you like, okay, no, you can't have that kind of volume and that kind of uh, caloric intake. So mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. I like that one. That was not one that I was thinking. Um, it keeps coming yeah. up, but it, it makes I, sense. Yeah, I hear that still fairly regularly where people are like, well, I know I'm never going to be fast because I'm not small or I'm not light or I'm not whatever. And you're like, that's not how this works. <laughs> no, you know, I'm, I'm totally not against, you know, changing your body composition or losing weight. Um, I just think the method that people have in their head is like, I'm going to eat 1200 calories and, you know, run 50 miles a week so I can lose weight and be faster. And then they end up injured or they end up with relative energy deficiency syndrome. And, um, you know, there is a better way. There is, you know, also recommendations that, you know, if you want to lose weight, it should only be like a deficit of two to 300 calories a week and really slow, but then at the same time, like you can't have an expectation that you're going to go out and PR or run your best. So you kind of too have to pick and choose what you want. That's an important point. Um, And when you say, um, you know, changing one's body composition, again, is that also within the realm of what is realistic depending on what you're born with generally? Yeah, for sure, because, and I mean, I misspoke with the weight loss. It's two to 300 calories per day for the deficit, like half a pound of weight loss a week. Um, but anyways, yeah. So some people, you know, they can be at a really low body fat percentage and still have their periods and still be healthy. And then there's some women, you know, they get below 20% body fat and their health totally deteriorates. So yeah, it totally depends on the person. And I think that's why it's really important too to just remember that just because you see like a pro athlete eating a certain way and looking a certain way, um, that, you know, that does not apply across the board to everyone. What's good for that person is good for that person. What's good for you is totally different. All right. And, and I have a question that's going to piggyback on that. But first I want, I want to get to Jess. What is the, the one that one myth that you're like, I'm shredding this right now. I'm over it. It's done. So, I mean, I exist in, in two very different spaces, right? I exist in the endurance world and in the strength world. And so when I come to my runners and it's like, okay, it's time to learn to lift. The most common thing I hear is, but I don't want to get bulky. And I get I get so frustrated because people use this all the time. They're like, don't worry, you're going to lift and you won't get bulky okay, there's some of us that want to gain muscle and it's hard. And so it's so frustrating that like the first assumption is like, I don't want to lift because I don't want to get bulky. And I'm like, look, do you know how hard it is to gain bulk? Like some of us want to. Um, And so it's hard to exist in that space where I want to like reassure people like lifting is not going to be a detriment to your running. I promise it complements it well, but also don't you kind of want to gain some muscle like it's it's great for a lot of reasons 
Yeah, I, I raised my hand in there because I am not one. I, I just, it doesn't stay. I can lift and lift and lift. And I, I look at my little chicken wings and I'm like, oh, look, there's a little lump of a muscle there. Um, and there was a time where I was starting to get a little heavier before COVID. Um, and it, it's not sustainable for, for me. Uh, granted, I probably am not following all the rules and not doing it all correctly. Um, I was gonna say, we, we could chat and change that. I'm just saying. <laughs> I, you know, I think I'm going to take you up on it because I do. I'm, I'm ready to get stronger. It's, it's, I actually just started um, PT yesterday uh, for back pain that I've had and scoliosis that I think has actually been a big contributor to all of my injuries. And so I'm super proud of myself for taking that step to say, you know what, it's time for me to go to physical therapy. As you know, I've been taking is to physical therapy all these years. I'm like, yeah, okay, it's my turn to, to address some of these things. So that's exciting for me. Um, but beyond that, I definitely am so incredibly ready to get super duper strong and enter. I mean, I'm ending my thirties and entering my forties in 2023. Um, and hopefully I'll be like super, super woman. Yeah. So the question that I had for, actually, I think it's for both of you. Um, and we were talking again about body composition and how you can't perform at your peak if you are not feeling correctly. What happens to, let's say, a boxer physiologically, what might be happening to a boxer or a wrestler um, when they are trying to meet that weight class mm. and they have to kind of quickly lose that weight and they're not, you know, they're skipping out on drinking water or they're really under fueling to kind of, I guess, lose that water weight. Is that what it is? Cause that's what the lay person like me understands. Yeah. Yeah. It's called cutting weight. They do it in powerlifting too. Okay. Yeah. So how does, how does that work? Is it because it's so far in advance from the actual event that it's not going to um, undermine your performance or so you know, fill us you in a little bit on you, So weigh-ins are typically the day before. Okay. Um, my understanding of powerlifting, I don't know as far as like MMA or, you know, any of those realms. I, I think they may do same day weigh-ins. I'm not sure. But with powerlifting, at least it's, you do weigh-ins a day in advance. So if you're cutting weight, which I'm 100% not doing, um, it's typically seven to 10 days out. And then you go in for weigh-ins and then it doesn't matter what you weigh the next day. So you can go and like refuel, rehydrate, re everything. And then to go into the meat fed and ready. The Got thought it. also too, and Jen, you might be able to speak on this. Um, the thought too, is like when you, the way, depending on how severe of like a, like weight cut you do, you, your body is ready to store more glycogen when you finally like go in and like refuel after weigh-ins so that's <laughs> that's like the thought on that too I bet I don't know a ton this is my limited knowledge because I've I have not had any like personal experience with cutting weight I just having been in the like powerlifting realm for a year and a half that's been discussion yeah so Jess is right um that's my understanding too is that they usually have enough time between weigh-in and their actual match to eat a whole bunch and refuel. And there is some research showing that after a time of exercising on a low carbohydrate, your muscles are more receptive to um, the glycogen and to storing it at a higher rate. 
Um, I think with that being said, though, it is important to remember too that their wrestlers actually are at a really high rate of having eating disorders. And I think, you know, the having to starve yourself and, um, you know, eat low carb to lose your seven pounds of glycogen and stored water, it really messes with your relationship with food and your body um, going up and down and up and down. Yeah. So I I'm just trying to speak more to like what's happening. I think there's I guess I just see more of a risk to doing that. I mean, I understand why they have to do it, but it seems like the risk is so high that um, I guess I just wonder big picture. I just wonder if it would just be better and healthier for everyone mentally and physically to just change whatever those rules are, or maybe, you know, better to weigh up than weigh down. I don't know. You know, I'm not a wrestler. I'm a long distance runner, so I can't speak to that. But those are things I've, you know, thoughts I've had as I work with athletes. Um, because, you know, seven weeks too of eating low carbon exercising, that's enough time to go get injured. And, um, you is know, it, enough time to go. Weeks? Is that what they typically do? Because I think, like, what I. Did I say of... weeks? I meant days. Okay. <laughs> okay. I saw <laughs> no, no. You know, um, gosh, that would be awful. But. Yeah, seven days. I mean, yeah, it's still, you know, enough time to go get injured and stuff. So. so now I guess, so I asked that because I know that people, not, not for the podcast I've spoken to, but just people in general who are trying to lose weight or trying to do all this stuff, they look to athletes regard and, and um, maybe a little bit of cognitive dissonance, like you pick and choose what pieces mm, you're going mm-hmm. to, of information you're going to take. Um, and well, if it works for so-and-so for, for this event and they're a pro, then, you know, it can work for me, um, regardless of what athletic event you're participating in. Um, so that, that was the thing that kind of came to mind. So now bridging between um, strength training and nutrition, what are some of the challenges for someone who has really no idea how to dive, how to dive into either? Well, I, I Jess can talk more to um, like the volume, but I, my understanding from general recommendations is like two to three times of lifting. And it's, you know, it doesn't have to be like this long um, lift session, right? 30 minutes or less. And um so as far as nutritional needs, usually there's not a whole lot like of an increase in calories that we need. Um, usually when I have my runners and we're looking at strength training and running, I calculate, you know, for them being very active and, um, and listening to your body, but also to remembering that um, after, a, you know, there's going to be times after exercise that your appetite is going to be suppressed. So you also have to kind of be mindful of making yourself eat, especially for recovery. Um, but I think protein, what I see usually in my runners, and especially older runners, because, you know, you were mentioning that you turned 39, I'm 41. It seems like once we, you know, get over 40, especially become master's athletes, our bodies um, aren't as good you know, at using the protein, I guess, efficiently would be a way to explain it. But so we need a little bit more protein too, than we do when we're younger. 
And I think that's what I see mostly in my athletes is that they're not getting enough protein um, and or carbs. And so I think we have to be really mindful too of before you run, making sure you're getting your carbohydrate snack. After you run, getting your carbohydrate and protein recovery meal. And then, you know, you can go right into lifting and you've got, you know, the substrates you need to fuel you through your workout. And then of course, eat, you know, a meal after you lift. Um, I think ideally that would be, you know, the best scenario, but also in real life, I don't think everyone's schedules meet that either. So I think, you know, as long as you can focus on eating a pre-workout snack, whether that's before your run or before you lift, and then, you know, make sure you're eating a recovery meal after you usually will be able to meet your increased needs, you know, as long as the rest of your meals are, you know, you're kind of increasing the carbohydrate and all that to meet whatever mileage you're running. No, that's good. I, the addition to that. So, um, oh, I had to make sure I unmuted myself. The dogs were barking. Um, it depends, like the addition of like additional caloric needs, if you're going in and lifting, you know, twice a week for a half hour or less, your additional caloric needs aren't going to be that much. Mm-hmm. But then you also look at like, what are you doing for your lifting sessions? What kind of volume are you doing? Um, someone who is squatting, you know, 10 pounds is going to be different need calorically than someone who's squatting 200 pounds, right? Like, so that yeah. is to take into consideration. So if someone is a runner is coming and saying like, Hey, let's, let's start lifting. That looks very straightforward. It's very much a like full body focused workout about twice a week. Um, they typically take more than a half hour. I would say like 45 minutes to an hour with like the warm up and the mo- mobility portion of it. Um, but it's looking at, and Jen can speak to this. Can you believe it's been like two years since we got together? (laughs) It's crazy. So, um, full body, you're looking at compound movements. You want some kind of squat in there, some kind of hinge movement, like a deadlift or a good morning or something along those lines, looking at some kind of push and pull movement, and then some kind of like carrying, um, and then some core work in there too, right? So you can keep it very structured in hitting main movements and especially compound things like those squats and deadlifts um, and making it a very well-rounded workout. That's not you when they're doing 17 sets of bicep curls um, that really don't serve a ton of purpose. They have their place, but yeah, it doesn't have to be a bro session where you have, you know, arms and shoulders one day and like legs and like glutes another right like you don't have to divide it that way you can fit in like two full body sessions um you can make it three you can make it four but but that's kind of that most of the research on strength training for runners and the benefits are at least twice a week okay yeah and um in terms of strength training you mentioned a few things we're not just talking legs we're not just talking about the things that propel us forward correct correct it's a, it's a full body full body. Yeah. You want upper body. I mean, for a number of reasons, you think about your arms, your arms at, I think it's like they're 4% of your momentum or something like that. Like they're a very tiny amount. They're mostly for balance. Mm-hmm. But when you look at people in 
longer distance race. So let's say marathon in those, those, um, higher miles form starts to fall apart when you're tired. And if you have a stronger upper body, have a strong core, it's going to keep that pot, like your posture so much better. When your core is strong, your posture and running is so much better. That propulsion and that balance is a lot better too. So upper body is not, not something we want to neglect. Um, again, like I said, like bicep curls have their place. Um, if someone would be like, what's the bare minimum I need to do? Absolutely. Let's focus more lower body, but upper body does, does like to be well-rounded and it can benefit your running. So this conversation is, you know, when, when we talked about having this, my idea in my head is that, you know, again, nutrition and strength are, if we're looking at running at the apex, right? Running's here and we've got nutrition and strength down here. Um, mm -hmm. We're looking at a triangle. Would that be accurate? Like, is that some, like, would you see it that way? Or how would you see, is it circular? How do you see the combination of strength, running and nutrition? I don't, I, I personally don't see it as a pyramid. Okay. Um, I think like nutrition is definitely foundational key because are you coming from the aspect of like injury prevention and what things or just in general, just fitness um, in general? I'm coming from me personally, inj injury prevention, but no, I'm thinking in terms of a more general uh, performance enhancement. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. So like what key pieces per like enhance performance? Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, I... There are different, I mean, modifying nutrition can benefit your lifting and running performance. Mm -hmm. um, modifying your strength can improve, like making sure your strength fits for what runners need can enhance your running. Running in certain, to a certain extent can impact your strength. All like running and strength impact what you eat, right? Like they're all kind yeah. of interconnected. Um, can you be a runner and eat like crap? Yes. Can you be a runner and not strength train? Yes. So, um, they're all, they're all important pieces. Um, but I wouldn't necessarily know how to put them into like a shape. Maybe like a Venn diagram, like running. Okay. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. And in the middle you have strong, well-balanced runner. Oh, yeah. I love that. <laughs> I love that. I think, I think that's, I, that's one of your new, your next graphics. <laughs> that's your next. Yeah, post. It definitely could be. I love that. Absolutely. Okay. Cause each of, each of these things have a huge importance in someone's life. Like if they're not, mm -hmm. if someone's mm -hmm. not a runner, obviously like the people listening are runners for the most part, right? Like that's your audience. But I'm just saying like, is running integral to like overall health? No, no is some kind of cardiovascular exercise integral to overall health? Yes. Is some kind of strength training integral to long-term health? Yes. Is good nutrition? Like all those things play a part in that overall like health and wellness. Right. So. Yeah. I mean, my, um, my grandmother, my dad's mother, uh, had osteoporosis. And so, you know, it's just the stuff that kind of runs through my mind. I need to strength train to, to, it could be coming down the line to me in the future. And mm -hmm. so I think of it in terms of general, you know, staying as strong and healthy as long as possible. And to your point, um, running is not, and yes, this podcast is about running, but it is mostly about optimism and um, good vibes, good feels. And no, that is a huge, 
wonderful disclaimer, running is not the end all be all to health by any means. Um, just the same as I finally convinced myself that I'm a runner um, and that I finished a marathon while walking and running. It's, you know, it's all yeah. good. So yes, absolutely. 100%. I love that you brought that up because it, it's definitely um, hopefully empowering people to know that you, as long as you're doing something for yourself because you love it, then that's all that matters. We talked about myths that you want to bust that people are talking about. What are people not talking about that you wish they were? One thing I'm often reminding my clients of is um, progress over perfection. And um, I mean, I even thought about that when, because Jess came over and showed me, you know, helped me figure out his strength training with the five compound movements she was talking about. And it made me think of, you know, on her Instagram, she's a really good advocate of low barrier um, start. So, you know, just do whatever it takes to get going. Show and, up in your pajamas. Yeah. And I mean, I comes from work. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And so I just think about like how that applies even to strength training or nutrition, like even for myself, um, like I usually do my mobility and PT stuff right before I go run. And that takes about 15, 20 minutes. And then, you know, I will do my 20, 30 minute actual strength training in between client sessions sometimes in my pajamas. Um, the other night I was like ready for bed and I just had a t-shirt on and my bra and my underwear. And I was in my bedroom, like doing my exercises. And my husband was like, what's up with the underwear? Like, <laughs> what do you have clothes on? And I was like, I'm just doing my strength workout, right? That's probably too much information, but um, you know, I got it done, right? I didn't, I wasn't dressed, you know, in athletic wear, but I got it done when I could. And um but so, yeah, done is better than way. perfect. Like that's across the board, absolutely, and just like yeah. showing up how you how you how you are. Yeah, yeah, I love that. And even with nutrition, like I had someone that just felt really overwhelmed because there was a lot of changes they had to make, and I was like, you know, let's just focus first on having consistent meals. Like I don't care what they look like, just eat consistently, <laughs> breakfast, lunch, dinner, and then you know, the next thing, once you can eat consistently, let's focus on adding some vegetables. Like, you know, we don't have to make it look perfect right from the start. Any change is better than no change at all. Right. I love that. I mean, that's so speaking on the nutrition piece, I, I don't do like direct nutrition coaching necessarily, but I do talk like fueling with my athletes. Right. So pre and post workout, and then just like meals in general. Um, and so that's a conversation I've had fairly regularly with clients and, and people just even through social media is like, your meals don't have to be like photo worthy. Your meals don't have to be like, there should be no guilt associated with using frozen vegetables or canned vegetables versus fresh. Like, I don't know, Jen, if you encounter that very much, but I've, I can't tell you how many conversations I've had with people about that, where I'm like, wait, why are you feeling guilt about using a bag Mm -hmm. of frozen veggies? Like Mm -hmm. those are amazing, but, or something like that, or like buying, you know, pre-made chicken or something like that is more of a convenience food and feeling guilt that they're not like cooking this extravagant meal. And you're like, no way lower that barrier to entry. If buying rotisserie chicken means you're eating like a good protein source, 
that's fantastic. Right. You're like, if I can't like canned veggies is like, what's going to help you make sure you get veggies in at dinner time? Like, please, please do. So it's, yeah, yeah, I, that's something that I am like, I wish people would like talk more about. And I know kind of Jen, you and I, in our like shared corner of of Instagram, um, promote that pretty well, but there's still so many people that they're like, well, that's, is that still eating clean? Like, oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree. And I actually will give that recommendation often to my clients like well, you don't have to go to the produce section and buy everything fresh and take the time to cut it all up and roast it or you know steam it so it looks like some perfect you know pinterest meal um go to the frozen section get the frozen vegetables that cook in the bag get the you know rice that cooks in the bag and get you know the chicken from the you know the deli or go you know, turkey burgers and throw the turkey burger in a pan and, you know, six minutes and less, you've got a meal. It does not have to be extravagant. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, I mean, you can meet your needs, get vegetables and fruit, you know, whatever is the easiest for you, then do it. Exactly. I love it. That's, I mean, I have, I have 12 and 13 hour workdays sometimes and there's no way I'm going to sit and cook for an hour. You know, I'm not going to go in and cook for an hour to eat. I'm going to get home and make something as efficiently as I can and go to bed. Um, and that's when I'm like, yep, we got six minutes for my broccoli in the microwave. I've got like a turkey burger from Trader Joe's and, you know, like make, make it easy. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. I'll tell you what I had for dinner tonight. Um, I work today, so I only work three days a week now. Um, and then I had to take Iz to her horse therapy and Marco came home right before Izzy and I got home and I was getting on the phone with, with you and for dinner tonight, uh, Marco bought these nice like pre-made gnocchi from, from the grocery store that like you just take them out, you put them in the boiling water, cracked open a jar of sauce put it together. And that's what we had for dinner tonight. Yum, yum, done. We are fueled. My tummy is full. Um, and you know, it, it was good. It was food. Uh, Izzy was happy and, um, you know, and I guess we can also take it as a, as a blessing that we were able to have that nice meal and something that you said, Jen, um, starting with having three meals, regardless of what they look like, because I know a lot of people will substitute uh, coffee for lunch. And, you know, that's not a meal. That's a nice drink. Um, or just skip breakfast because Mm -hmm. I know we're all running around, but I feel like, and correct me if I'm wrong, there's so many simple changes that we can make to make sure that we're having that breakfast, regardless of what it looks like. Um, and a lunch, regardless of what it looks like. I take a ham and ham and cheese sandwich with on, on, on bread to work for lunch when mm-hmm. I don't have leftovers from the night before. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it can be peanut butter, jelly, baby carrots, and an apple, right? It's a perfectly balanced meal. You know, it's not fancy, but it'll meet your needs. Okay. So the point, the point is fuel mm-hmm. and yep. peanut something butter and jelly is enjoyable. Yeah. Yes. Something is better yep. than nothing. Done is better than perfect. And yeah. it's, I mean, I have clients sometimes they're like, you know, I was out. I didn't, I didn't have anything to eat. So I, you know, stopped through the drive-through and got a burger and I'm like, that's great. You know, it's better that than to starve, you know, um, something is better than nothing. 
are doing that for every meal. No, that's not, you know, ideal, but on those instances when stuff, you know, life happens, something is better than nothing. There's no reason to beat yourself up or feel guilty. That's an important point because in a, in the long, long ago, I would choose if I, if it was late, I didn't have time like before it is like when, you know, I, back in the long ago, I would choose no meal as opposed to going through that fast food drive-through. So that's a really important point too, because I think that people might convince themselves that, um, well, they're better off not having that quarter pounder with cheese, even though they're hungry. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you skip those meals and you start to get behind in fueling and nutrition and I mean, like I said, is it ideal for every meal? Of course not. Um, but your body doesn't register it as, oh, this is McDonald's. It registers it as protein, carbohydrate, fat, you know, it metabolizes it and uses it for what it needs to, to, you know, fill your glycogen, to repair your muscles, to restore. Yeah, metabolism any doesn't of- have an ego. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> There's no, you know, filter down there in your stomach that is, you know, qualifying things as good or bad. It's everything is a chemical reaction, you know. And so just back to the the original question, what is something that you wish more people were talking about uh, when they talk about lifting and running that you don't hear enough of? Or that you constantly have to remind people? <laughs> um. Gosh, this is, I should have been thinking of this. I was on a food, like my, my brain has been on food. So, <laughs> did you have, did you eat? Yes. Okay. Yes, good. Okay. That doesn't mean I don't think about food. <laughs> yeah. <Good point. laughs> um, and just on that, like that whole tangent with Jen, like that's stuff I encounter too. So, um, I mean, ju- like two things, simple, the simple one being runners needing to lift. Mm-hmm. And that's, I mean, that's the hill I will die on <laughs> because it's so important. Um, even if that, and that doesn't have to look like, you know, right now I'm in a season of powerlifting, right? And that's something that I absolutely love, but it doesn't mean that runners need to like go out and be like heavy barbell lifting all the time. Like that's not the point. The point is having like strategic, structured strength training in their plan decreases injury risk, helps improve muscle, like your musculature, your bone density. It's, I mean, there are so many Mm -hmm, benefits. mm -hmm. It can help with your running economy, like you're like, depending on how you lift, you're also helping to improve your speed. You're helping to improve, you can improve VO2 max, right? Like there's so many benefits to strength training for runners that I think it's just kind of overlooked. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know runners need to lift whatever I've got, I've got my bands and my body weight and that's good. And it's like, no, no, you need to challenge. I mean, you need to be able to pick up weights that are heavier than your kids. You're not going to really create a lot of adaptations. If you're picking up a five pound dumbbell when your child's 30 pounds or 40 pounds, right? Like stuff like that. Um, that piece of it. And I think the other side, a conversation I've I have a fair amount with my clients and want to just kind of shout from the rooftops is how important rest days are. Mm. And that's, I, we, I feel like we go in waves that we revisit this. Um, rest days are so important and not, not active rest days, right? I'm not saying like, okay, we're not running or lifting. So we're going for a hike. I'm going for a 50 mile bike ride, right? Like rest days, 
And that's something that I, again, will shout from the rooftops because that's when all of the repair happens. That's when, so my favorite piece from, there's a book called Peak Performance that I adore. And they talk about stress plus rest equals growth. Um, and so when you stress your body, right, a workout and a run is a stress on the body, whether or not you call your running your therapy or whatever, it is a stressor on the body. So stress plus rest, those rest days equals growth. That's when your, your muscles grow and your, your body's able to repair everything where you're able to come back stronger. So people who are, I know we kind of talked about the main focus of this whole episode being injury prevention, right? How like strength and, and uh, nutrition plays a part in that. Um, those rest days play a huge part in that because if you're constantly pushing and taxing your body, taxing your muscles, taxing, and you don't pull back and let your body repair, you're putting yourself at higher risk for injury. So that's, I'm like, that your rest days are just import, as important to put on the schedule as those workouts, as those runs, to show up for those with the full intention of like, this is the day for my body to recover. Like, I might not know how to sit still well, but I know how needed this is. Yeah, Jen, you know, <laughs> like, yeah. we don't know how to sit still. And that, and that's, I mean, it's a hard thing. Um, I like, I'll still go for walks. Like the dogs get long walks on my rest days just because I'm like, okay, you know, I enjoy that. That's fine. But it's those hard taxing things on the body that we need to just like chill out for a day, at least one day a week. And I, and I love okay. that. I love that walk is an option on those days. Cause I definitely choose the walk. And it's something that I learned also with my stress fracture is I am not the kind of person who can run more than five days a week because my body is not repairing those micro tears that happen as I'm running. It's not repairing them as quickly. And so I need to give myself more time or else I'm going to compound those micro tears into a stress fracture. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, I learned that the hard way too. Um, I did Hanson's marathon method mm -hmm. for a couple training cycles. Yeah. And learned that, uh, just does not run well on six days a week. So yes. And that's, oh, that's something that, you know, as a run coach, I explore with my clients who come to me and they're like, I run six days a week. I run five days a week. This is what I do. You know, but here are my struggles. And I'm like, okay, humor me. Let's try in the off season. Let's run three days a week and do this instead. Maybe we trade a running day. So you're, you know, running three days a week and you cycle for some additional cardio on another day. Um, that kind of thing so that you can not get injured. I won't, I won't shout out my husband, but I'm gonna shout out my husband <laughs> because, <laughs> because I, we were talking about his, his current training plan. Um, and you know, he's, he's doing his thing. He's doing great. And he's like, my friends call him captain America because he's just like the well-rounded, you know, captain America, but I'm like, well, you know, you're doing all this stuff and I don't know a single runner who's trying to accomplish what you're trying to accomplish who doesn't add some strength training to their program and he's like well you know what I'm just doing what works for me is he just like from another planet <laughs> uh yes so is no um I mean I'm like laughing because my husband is also similar where he like if he wants to run and he wants to train for a race he just runs and trains for a race and like no injuries, nothing, just, 
And so I can't, I mean, I can't really speak to that. There's tons of runners that, that don't, that don't lift and don't get injured. There's so many things that go into that. They're managing their volume and intensity appropriately. They're managing their recovery well, their nutrition well, all of those things. Like strength training is not strictly necessary to avoid injury. Does it add extra protection? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Can it benefit your running? Yes. There's no guarantee that just because you start lifting, you're never going to get injured again. It doesn't mean that all of a sudden your running performance is just going to go through the roof. It plays a huge part. And when you pull back and look at it from like a whole life exp- like whole life wellness, if you will, I'm trying to think of like the right word I want here. Looking at it long term the longer you run and don't have some kind of strength training, the more you are at risk for injury. However, from a like bone density and like overall life um, efficacy perspective, at some point you're going to need strength training. I think that's very well put. So, you know, can you run and not get injured? Yes. Should you incorporate strength training at some point in your life? Even if, even if you start picking up weights at 65, 70 years old, do that too. Like (laughs) we're talking in terms that I feel like are so obvious to me as I'm learning about my body, but I would like to drill in the, why does proper fueling and nutrition prevent injury and why, what is it about strength training? I mean, uh, to me, it, it's common sense. You strengthen the muscles around to kind of help keep you upright when you're the rest of your body saying, no, we're going to, we're going to quit right now. Um, but that's a very lay way of understanding it. So, so why is proper feeling so integral to avoiding injury? So when you are you know, really active, you're using up a lot of calories. Calories is basically just a unit of energy. And so you need more energy, you know, kind of like a car, the further you drive, the more gas you need, the further you run, the more energy. That's exactly what I was going to like. I was like, can we liken this to like your <laughs> tank of gas? Because yeah, perfect. Yes. And so with that, you know, if you aren't fueling enough, your body is going to your body's really good at protecting itself. And so it's going to find a way to get the energy it needs. And um, when you're in a calorie deficit and you're not eating enough carbohydrate, the next thing your body taps into is your muscle. Accessing that protein to make fuel, you know, and I mean, your body just doesn't do it. Like it goes from this to this, to this, like black and white. It is kind of tapping into everything, your fat stores, and your protein, but you know, as a runner or a strength trainer, you want to preserve your lean body mass. Well, I guess anybody, you know, you want to preserve your lean body mass. And so, as your body's breaking down your muscle, you know, that's going to put you more at risk for injury there. And then the other part of it is, if you're just not eating enough calories, enough food in general, you're not getting enough nutrients you need. You're not getting enough calcium, you're not getting enough vitamin D, you're not getting enough magnesium. And, you know, all of that impacts bone health, Um, getting enough calories, you know, that impacts bone health. And so that also puts you at risk for bone fractures. And then, you know, on top of that, 
as women, we're at risk for relative energy deficiency, which impacts our hormones. And, you know, our hormones are involved in that whole cycle with bone strength. Um, and so not eating enough, you're going to really start, you dig yourself into a hole. And what is the, like a caloric, like a severe caloric deficit, what is its impact on brain function? And in terms of you're trying to move and keep yourself going, but your mm -hmm. brain's like, I'm all done. Yeah. Is that another way that you might get injured because you're not? It definitely can affect, affect, you know, your brain power and your brain function decision-making because carbohydrate is the, you know, fuel source that your brain runs on. Um, that's kind of why, you know, low, when people are first going low carb, they're really cranky and moody. Um, cause your brain, your brain wants carbohydrates, your brain runs on glucose. And so, you know, if you're not eating enough, you're not getting enough carbohydrate, you're not getting enough glucose to your brain, you're definitely going to suffer in your decision-making in your mood, in your, you know, activity, even your brain's going to want to go sleep because it wants to preserve its energy. So yeah, definitely will impact that too. And what is it about strength training that is important? Like, okay, it is important, but what is happening to your body? That is when you're building your muscle that is protecting you from injury when you're out pounding the pavement or the treadmill running. Yeah. So, I mean, we can liken it back to kind of earlier in the conversation of the whole uh, myth of lighter is better. Stronger is better. It is. If you have a muscle that can be, you know, you're, you're the same person, but you make those same muscles that you possess stronger, you're going to be able to propel your body forward with, with less energy used. Um, so when you look at it from that perspective, right? So getting stronger is better running economy, but also from like an overall health perspective, you're looking at that increased bone density is a big part of it. And then just functionality throughout your entire life. I mean, if you sit down and stand up from a chair, you're doing squats. If you pick up something from the ground, you're doing a deadlift. If you're putting something overhead on a shelf, you're doing overhead presses. Like all of those strength training things translate into your daily life. So why not learn to train them efficiently so that there's less risk for injury, not just for running, but for life as well. I love that. That was like, I think, I think that's, that's your mic drop. <laughs> Done. <laughs> So pick up a dumbbell. <laughs> I think that is a mic drop because we, we went all around, all around in terms of running, but the reality is, is yes, in the context of running, these things are important, but in the context of life, um, just as important, eat your three meals, get them in however you can. Um, it's okay to get that drive through, maybe not all the time, but as long as you're eating and pick up a dumbbell. Somebody asked me the other day you know, when, when are you going to, when did you start running? And I said, you know, I think I was like 32. I'm like, oh, wow. That's, I'm like, yes, that's a little older. You can say it. It's okay. <laughs> and are you still running? And I said, yeah. And I want to keep running till forever and ever and ever the end. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's, I started running for a number of reasons, but one of the big, like the big push was, uh, I had a patient who was on her early seventies who had recovered from like extensive, like breast cancer, chemotherapy, all of that. 
and then trained for a half marathon. And I was like, I want to be that person. I want to be in my seventies and being like, yeah, I threw down a half marathon last weekend. No big deal. (laughs) Yes. Yes, please. Yeah. That's the goal. That is definitely the goal. Well, thank you both so much for, for chatting. Um, again, totally want to do this again. I think you're, you, you're both like such an amazing wealth of information and passion for what you do. So I really, really appreciate it. And you know, you're my friends. So I like talking to you anyway. Links to Jen's website and Jess's website are in the show notes and links to how you can get in touch with them with questions or if you want to work with them also in the show notes. As always, thank you for listening. If you like what you hear, let me know. Want to chat with me for the show? I would love to talk with you. Just email me at runningonoptimism at gmail.com. I hope to hear from you soon.